All right, tell me when to go. Hit start. I've been rolling for Oh, oh. God! <laughs> ABR! Always be recording. Okay, I'll start. Hi, this is Marnie with Maxim and Marnie at Our Savior's Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. Maxim is a synonym for truth, and we like to talk to people in our church community and get their stories. So today we have a very special guest. We have Pastor Ben! Yeah, Pastor Ben's here! Yay! Hi, Marnie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so happy to be here. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, right? <laughs> should, we, should we start with the obvious thing, which is this podcast today hopefully already sounds better to the listener because... You can't say that because now everybody's going to oh, be listening yeah, yeah, real close. Yeah, dude, it might I'd not be, like, be quite, well, quite right. So, Pastor Ben, you, you've listened to the podcast, but had mentioned that it sounded like I was from down the hallway because I could only get two microphones to work. And just for our listeners for either this podcast or talk about God that's been going on for like a year year and a half so like that's why we're not super encouraged so like yeah let's go shoot a podcast again but within 30 seconds this guy fixes the problem and it's because my computer was a little old and my equipment was a little old and so we're on pastor ben's computer and now he's the producer of our podcast yeah he's first time recording and also aka producing it seems to be going okay we're, we're gonna find out if, I, if you don't ever hear this then you'll know it didn't go but i don't i don't so even far, know what i'm okay. supposed to do today so i am i am here for fun um pastor ben tell me your last name my na last name is Sloss. It's all S's as in Sam, which is what I tell every telemarketer or every person on the phone, because otherwise it comes out Schloss or Kloss or all these different things. And where did you grow up? So I was born in Indiana, grew up a little bit in Florida. My family moved back to Indiana when I was like in second grade, and I spent uh, most of my time in a couple of different towns in Indiana through high school. I went to college off in Columbus, Ohio, and then found my way back into Indiana and then over to Chicagoland. What made your family go to Florida? So my dad is also a pastor. He's a Lutheran pastor. He's actually in the area. He's up in Evanston. And um, I was born when my dad was on his internship, which is a thing pastors do usually for about a year near the end of their seminary time. Um, he was on internship in southern, southern Indiana, and um, they, they had me. And so the first couple years of my life, I lived at um, a house near a church in southern Indiana, then back at the seminary in Columbus. And then for like a summer out at a little church camp called Lutheran Memorial Camp, there was like a little, a little spot out in the woods that my dad was working at that camp at, and I was like two, one and around there. Um, and then we moved down to Florida. My dad had a call, uh, a couple of calls down in uh, in the Florida area. That's where he was from. He Wait, where in Florida? Like cool area, Florida, or like it was jean cool. shorts that are cut off area, Florida? Like what? Well, what? they say about Florida that the further north you go, the further south it gets. And we were like <laughs> middle to lower Florida, so it was. Wait, uh, say that again. <laughs> so in, in Florida, this used to be true. I don't know how true it is anymore. It makes sense. But when you're up in like the Panhandle, it's it's very kind of Alabama-ish kind of feel. Feels so like, it's a very oh, southern. Wow. Get the Got accents it. are there. The Got it. But when you move south in Florida, it's kind of like you're moving north in terms of culturally, in terms of accents and things. Oh, it's fun. And so um, we were in uh, Sarasota, which is kind of on the Tampa Bay area. And, and that didn't feel very much like Alabama or Louisiana, Mississippi kind of thing. Um, there was, you know, lots of people from up north that just moved down there when they're old kind of thing. Right. Um, and then you moved back, you said, in second grade? Yes. So you don't have a ton of not a ton of memories. Um, although I was just back there uh, this last week seeing some family, and I brought my kids out to the beach we always go to, and and that was fun to watch them jump around and have a good time. And your dad was a pastor in the Lutheran Church. Yes. Yeah, and um, so how was that? Uh, I don't know what it would be like otherwise. I suppose. Uh, no, my dad was uh, ordained in 1988, which was the very same year that the ELCA, our Lutheran Church, was founded. I didn't know we were so young. We were pretty young. Uh -huh. Yeah, he's pretty hip. Um, but no, there were two Lutheran churches that combined to create the ELCA, the ALC and the LCA. Um, and so when those combined, uh, that was the same year my dad was ordained. So he was one of the very first group of pastors that were only ELCA, not from a predecessor church. And who are your siblings or who else lived in your house with you? So I have uh, two sisters. Um, 
and and my mom and my dad. So I have uh, my younger sister Becca. She's uh, probably the only one that you would call really sane in my family because she has a normal job. She uh-huh. is uh, uh, an occupational therapist in Indianapolis and does wonderful work with that. She's married to a tax accountant. They're very mm-hmm. they seem very normal. They're doing pretty good. Um, but my youngest sister is also a Lutheran pastor. What she is up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, mm. with her husband who is also a Lutheran pastor. And my mom uh, recently retired. She was a nurse and a nurse practitioner for many years. Um, but she is uh, about five years ago converted to Judaism. And she's very active in her synagogue. And um, well, she went to seminary. And there's, there's a lot to unpack in this kind of crazy <laughs> family, I will tell you. Wait. Okay, wait. I, there's so much. You okay, sh- so your mother did sh- was she born uh, Jewish by ethnicity? No, my mother was born uh, Lutheran, and uh, and the Lutheran Church over in Ohio. They, my parents met in college. My mom had always been Lutheran her whole life. Her whole family is. Um, sometime around when I was in high school, she uh, became Episcopalian. And that wasn't like a big theological thing. That was um, my dad had been a solo pastor for a long time. And my mom basically said, I need my own pastor. And that's not going to be my husband. That doesn't work. So she went down the street to uh, an Episcopalian church so she could have her own priest and her own her own kind of connection there. And she did that for a while. Then she went off to seminary and um, she was going to just kind of learn more. She was feeling called in some way that she couldn't quite put into words and then went and uh, studied and majored in Old Testament scriptures, uh, Hebrew scriptures, they call it. And sometime not long after that, she said, I'm feeling called into being one of these people of the book and really understanding and living out what that is. Um, So about the time I was kind of graduating seminary, a little after that, actually, she converted, had the two priests there or the two rabbis there and did the whole ceremony and became Jewish. She's in the, the reformed Jewish tradition. So they're they're kind of I call them the hippie Jews. They're very, um, you know, t- pick and choose what what works for you so they don't have to keep kosher. But they they, you know, still follow all the festivals and all the, all the different practices there. So how did that affect, you said that was happening right when you were going to become a pastor? It was a little after I became a pastor. Yeah. And so does that shake you, your foundation? Um, I don't think it shook me at all. I, I could see my mom had been searching for a long time. And that was always kind of there, even when she was like going into the Episcopal Church and kind of exploring that. Like I could tell she was still searching uh, for something. And um, when she went into seminary and started studying more of these Hebrew scriptures and really diving in, she's learned Hebrew. She can speak a good chunk of it. Um, it, I could see that really f- being fulfilling for her. And so it wasn't a surprise at all when she said, I think I want to become Jewish. Um, and what I've loved about it the most is, is frankly, the holidays are so fun. Um, my kids get to do Hanukkah and Christmas every year. We go over for um, their their version of uh, Pentecost Shavuot, which is like a big festival of booths. And there's all these different harvest festivals, really fun foods. And every bit of it is uh, a part of our tradition, too. I mean, that the Hebrew Bible is the Old Testament in the Bible. Um, so there's nothing that I'm like feeling like, oh, this isn't quite right. Um, it's It's just a lot of fun. And really to see my mom really fulfilled in her faith has been a neat thing to watch, too. That's really beautiful. So how does that conversation happen with you? I guess you can't really speak to it, but like your dad and your mom's marriage. like Yeah, yeah. No, there was a whole thing there. So, um, you know, there was a lot of conversation in the family, especially when my mom said, I'm going to become Episcopalian because she'd been a member of my dad's church. You know, the pastor's wife is usually right there up in the front row with all the kids and things. And there was a there was a clearly a shift happening there. And so there had to be, you know, my parents were always on the same page about, um, you know, my mom wanted her own faith community and her own pastor and her own her own guide there. And my dad knew that can't be him. He's her husband. Um, so they were on the same page, but there was a little bit of rockiness maybe. And tr- how do you explain that to a congregation? Um, and this is kind of rural Indiana, a little more traditional and what they expect in roles. It's been a few years ago too. Um, but really at the end of the day, it says, you know, this is somebody exploring and understanding their own faith. And I think almost everybody kind of got on board and were okay with that. Um, and then every step after that has been just kind of more of honoring every person's journey into what their faith life is. Um, I can tell you I've got some family that are a little more conservative, and we didn't tell them for a while that my mom had converted to Judaism. We like kind of let that 
work its way in um, because we weren't sure exactly how that was going to go. Um, but overall, it's been very positive. I feel like this has to have impacted you, too, on the way that your dad obviously so graciously has loved his wife and modeled like an acceptance and a like that's pretty beautiful. They've always had um, just a, a really healthy relationship. They're always able to talk with each other. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean you always get along. There's always going to be tension in any marriage. But um, uh, seeing how they've navigated all of those changes, all of the moves that come when you're a pastor, you know, tend to move around and do different things that changes a whole family. Um, uh, the way they've navigated that has been just uh, a really wonderful thing to watch and a really great model. Um, I'm, I'm Really, really lucky to have uh, just a whole family network that's as, as strong and as healthy as it is, has been. Um, okay, so that segues into how did you meet your wife? Yeah, so my wife and I, um, we are uh, high school sweethearts. We went to the same high school in Kokomo, Indiana. And uh, if, if you can believe this, we were in sophomore chemistry class together. And we were and there partners. was some chemistry. chemistry. Now you say that, but this this chemistry class, I tell I tell you, we were in a, a lab partner group of three, and right sitting behind us, there were other two lab partners, and there were of those five people, there are two couples that are married in that. that class. My friend Andrew wow. uh, got married to the the other lab partner, and my something's in the water. So th there was chemistry in that chemistry class. Back, <laughs> I love it. Back all of those years ago, that would have been like uh, I don't know, like two thousand and two or something. Um, but my wife and I dated through high school. We dated you know, junior and senior year mostly. And then she went to Indiana University in Bloomington. And I was over at Capital University, which is a small Lutheran school in Columbus, Ohio. So I put many more miles on my tiny Honda Accord than I probably should have driving back and forth across, uh, you know, I-70 I there to um, make my way in weekends from Columbus down to Bloomington. Um, when did you know you thought you would want to marry her? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Eighth period. I know. I was just going to say. <laughs> uh, I did not think I was going to marry Tracy when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, I, I I was probably too logical of a high schooler to, to kind of go into that, that mode. Um, I had assumed probably at some point in college that we would find somebody else or drift apart. It's a long distance relationship. Um, but I would say it was like, sometime around like sophomore year of college when you know we'd been doing a whole lot of uh, what we call AOL instant messaging mm -hmm. that was the, oh my gosh, the yes. thing of the day Wait, can can I know what was your aim screen name oh, Do you remember? I wish I was really exciting about this my aim screen name is Ben Sloss. Oh my all God. One word, all uh, the, the other day, all of our friends, we were we were exchanging what our AIM yeah. names were. It it was a lot of fun actually figuring out like who like somebody somebody Now I gotta remember what Tracy's was. Um, I feel like it was like a like so Mrs. Girl, Sloss to be. Mine uh, yeah. mine was Hakeem is wise. I don't know why I chose Hakeem. And then Mandy's was Maui Mandy two, the number two you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. It was, I, I miss AIM. I wish we could bring this it back. This is something 30-year-olds can talk about, and I can't. You're, maybe you just, you never were on Instant Messenger. There, there was I a think... moment in time where that was the thing. I know. I remember visiting Capital University before I was going to get there, and I would walk past the lowest level of the dorms, and there was like this symphony happening through the windows <laughs> because there <laughs> it was, you know the sound. Yeah. yeah. And then like, it, you when someone would leave, you'd hear a... And the door would shut. Yep. It was so yep. great. And like you would put up away messages that were song lyrics. Song lyrics. Yeah. It was. Song it was. Yeah. Lyrics. And people could say, like, "What's wrong?" You know, because it was before Facebook. Because really Facebook came cute. out while we were in college. Right. Or, yeah. Were you a freshman or was it already I, out? I was a freshman. Like, we were like the first year you could yeah. get in. The year before, yeah. like Facebook launched mid-year. So yeah, and it was only at certain colleges. It's all changed. It's all changed. Um. Okay. Segwaying from AIM. AIM. Sorry. So, no, I don't. So you're at Capital and it's a small Lutheran college. But like, are you saying like a Valpo or a Carthage or an Augustana or like more Lutheran uh, or like more churchy or more? So it, it would probably be like less churchy than like a Valpo. Okay. So there's a little bit. Valpo is um, a, a joint mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and the ELCA. And so you've got um, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod on average is much more conservative. And so they've got that, that kind of influence. You know, you're going to have more emphasis on everybody going to chapel and that kind of uh -huh. thing. Um, capital is ELCA only. So sponsored. more Carthage and Augustana. More like yep, Carthage and Augustana. Right, yeah. um, a little more secular. Actually, a good chunk of people who go to Capitol probably don't know that it's a Lutheran yep. university. Okay, and, same. So same deal with Carthage and Augustana, yep. I think, too. Yep. 
So what were you getting your degree in or what did you get your degree in? So I started out as an education major. Um, I was going to do middle school math and science where my focus is. Uh, I see I why. I see why. You wanted to be a matchmaker. <laughs> chemistry class, right? Yeah, chemistry. yeah it was so important, yeah. Um, so I, I started doing that, and my summer after my freshman year, I went off and I worked at a church camp. Um, church camp had been important to me growing up. I'd gone to a couple different ones, and uh, I got, uh, through my dad, uh, application to be a camp counselor at a camp called Lutherwald in northern Indiana. And something happened to me out there working at church camp where um, I was having a great time working with kids. I knew I wanted to do that, but there was this faith component that was in there and really seemed important to me for maybe the first time um, that uh, I wanted to be able to talk about my own faith and to see how that develops and, and kids in that kind of middle school age. Um, and just something about that really sunk into me and I was kind of in a, a little bit of a crisis for almost almost the next year of like what am I going to do with this you know you can't be a public school teacher and go talking about Jesus all the time um but I I think the part that scared me is I I, I really knew what this was going to be um that I was feeling called into ministry and I didn't want to do it um, I'd seen how it was with my dad. Um, it's not always easy. You end up moving a lot. You can I might have to pick up your whole family and go different places. Um, my wife, Tracy, she was and is Catholic, Roman Catholic. And so having this conversation of all of a sudden becoming a pastor and that would make you a pastor's wife, um, they don't have a lot of experience with that in the Roman Catholic Church. And so what all of that, that's a whole new thing to navigate and to wonder about and to, and to figure out. Um, so I, I, I thought I was going to be really slick. What I did was I, I said, you know, I don't want to be a pastor. I'm not going to seminary. I'm not going to do all of that. I just, I think I'm going to change my major. I think I'm going to major in religion and just see how that goes. And my wife saw through that immediately and said, oh, no, no, no. You're, you're telling me you're going to seminary and you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do that. She's like, uh-huh, okay. Um, well, obviously she was right. So I, I found myself on this slippery slope into, well, I'll just be an education major. And then a little bit later, I said, well, maybe I'll go to seminary, but I don't want to be a pastor. There's other degrees you can get at seminary and things. And, and, and eventually, I gave up saying what I wouldn't do um, and, and found my way there. And, and Tracy was amazing through all of it. She was like looking up all the things about what do pastor's wives do? How does this work? How does all of this you know, come together? And um, you know, she, she's better at that than I'll ever be. But uh, uh, So then where did you go to seminary? So I went to seminary. I, I didn't like look through a lot of seminaries like some people do. I probably should have. But yeah. across the street from Capital University is this seminary called Trinity Lutheran Seminary. Um, it's where I spent ages, you know, two to three at while my dad was finishing his seminary career. Um, it, it It's a good seminary. I liked it uh, a lot. And so I, I basically said, I want to go over there. After my senior year, um, I had, you know, a lot of professors in my religion department also worked over at the seminary. So I was able to get, you know, some good letters of recommendation. I was able to get a full ride into seminary, which made oh, me that's feel really impressive. good. Yeah. yeah they, I didn't have that. They, <laughs> didn't, they didn't charge that much for tuition for seminary. So it was kind of like a little scheme of like, yeah, full ride, you know, the whole much, you know, but. Oh, don't minimize it. How many people yeah. were in school with you to be a pastor? So uh, there were about Great 50 question. of us in that class. Five zero. Five zero. Um, 35 of those were on what we call MDiv. That's yep. the Masters of Divinity yep. track. The others were in um, uh, MTS, Masters of Theological Studies. So there's different programs you can do in seminary. But the MDiv is the one that leads you on the path to be a pastor. And how many were in the class when your dad went? Uh, oh, that's a good question, too. I, I think it was a similar number. Okay. Um, I just wondered, like, so that that changed. Fun, or... fun fact, like, when when Pastor Ben and I went to seminary, and we went to different ones. I went to Chicago. Yep. He went to Columbus. Um, Pastor Elizabeth went to uh, um, Luther, or did she I, go to I thought, Iowa? Was it Pacific, even? No, no, she, it, was, no. it might have been. It might have been okay, Iowa. you'll have Iowa. her on. We'll have okay. her on. Stay Sorry. tuned. But but because there's an age difference, so you'll see a pattern. So in the 60s and 70s, late 60s, um, the the numbers were pretty high. So like there would be like 70 or 80 graduating in a class, and of that, like 50 or 60 would be on the pastor track. Um, our classes were comparative to the 60s and 70s or pretty close yeah. like the largest classes they've had in decades but then it is since like it is literally tanked yeah. the, the last two years at trinity were like five 
Yeah. <gasps> and LST City How Chicago do they even like exist? Well, they almost don't. Right. And <laughs> so there's a, there's a huge you shift You were both in 50s. Uh, no, I had the... 70. 70, but there were 50 seminarians. He had 50, or 50 pastors. He like had 35 50, pastors 50, 35. and 50 total, yeah. But since then, we're talking like, what is it, 15 years? since you, Or 12 it's, years? It's been uh, 10 years. 10 years for him, 12 years for me, 13. Um, the the difference is, is now the classes, I think LSDC Chicago had 12. He just said five the last two years. And yes, so like the seminaries are now selling off their buildings and in joining uh, universities that have my a seminary Lutheran. joined Capital University a few years ago. Okay. So then, does that become like a college or a degree within that school? So it, it does become Great a degree question. within the school, but it is uh, a master's degree still. Um, so imagine you can like Valpo when they had a law school, you could go, you know, get your four-year degree and then a four-year law school degree, and you could soak up mixed two years mm. and get it done in six instead of eight. And some of the uh, L- the ELCA uh, colleges and seminaries are doing that, where you could at least remove a year from your your education. Like, you, you still have to... Yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah, still but squish hard. it in. It's still two yeah. degrees, but yeah. And... And LSTC, which is the Chicago Seminary, they haven't partnered with any other universities, but they're partnering with all the other seminaries, and there's three seminaries all within one building. So if you're a Lutheran student in Chicago, you can go to any of those classes within the seminaries, but you're on the Lutheran track. Well, this is an interesting twist. It's changed a lot, and all of your libraries are all online now, like any book you could want. And you should totally talk to this guy about tech sometime in a little mm, bit, but I'm just saying. Um, okay, so is Tracy going to become Jewish? <laughs> that is not currently in the cards. If she wanted to, she could. I don't think that's likely. Um, I'm kidding, sort of. But So she grew up Catholic. Do you feel like she is still a practicing Catholic? Does she participate in our worship service? Where is her comfort level in that? Or Yeah, so I, I would say... Um, up until the the beginning of COVID, the beginning of the pandemic, um, she was going very regularly to Catholic Mass. Um, we'd been in LaGrange. She was a member at St. Francis. Um, and I would go with her when I could. They had like some Sunday evening services and some different times when I didn't have to go to church and we would go together. Um, then we had, you know, twins in 2017. So when there's three kids trying to haul them all into a, a you know, let alone one church service, you know, imagine trying to do two on a weekend. That got really hard really fast. And then with COVID, everything moving online, um, it had been a while since we made it to, to Catholic Mass. Um, but she still is Roman Catholic, still loves the Mass. Um, it was just this last weekend at my cousin's wedding, which was a Catholic wedding. And, um, you know, she still remembers all the words. I don't think any of those are going away. Um, I do, too, for that matter. I went to Catholic Mass all through college whenever I visited Tracy. Um, I was not very good about, I got to make sure I get to church. I was I was maybe a more of a typical college student enjoying sleeping in. Um, Tracy would always be there. Um, and so that's where I would be, too. Um, in my college years, I went to a lot more Catholic Mass than I ever did Lutheran Church. What would you say is your favorite thing about your faith currently? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> there are so many things I love about my faith. Um, I'm just going to go with what's on top of my head right now. We're doing Vacation Bible School right now. And it is an absolute blast watching all the energy and all the kids run through here. And uh, somehow I got placed in the the Bible Adventures station. I am I am the assistant to the Bible Adventures leader, uh, <laughs> who is uh, Marty, a wonderful, wonderful lady. He's been teaching Sunday school a long time. Um, but as the assistant, I can kind of just kind of like jump in when there's a part of the story I really love. And... Uh, it is so much fun just to kind of like jump in with just a, a random game or something to get the kids energy up and get really excited. And and Marty, bless her heart, is putting up with me, like going off script every 10 minutes as we do these things. But but to watch how you can take a, a story that's 2000 years old and somehow make it so that the kids can understand it and hear it and jump and play and get excited about it and even remember some of it the next day. Um, I, I just love that. I just love the the art of storytelling and how our faith is, is based on story. What's one of your favorite stories or one of the ones that's impactful for your life? Ooh, there, there are so many good ones. Um, 
my, my favorite thing that I've done in the last few years has been uh, chapel time with preschool. And so uh, at my previous call, every single week, every single Wednesday, I would go and I would do six chapels because there are six preschool classrooms. And um, I'm doing these every week. And so you, you can only have so many, right? You got to feel like you're kind of running out of ideas. And so what I basically would do is in that week, I would like pick a Bible story. And that's what we're going to tell. We're going to tell that Bible story. We're going to act it out. I'm going to bring some props. I'm going to bring some toys. We're going to find a way to do it. And uh, there was something really fun about just sharing the story and not trying to like put a moral around it, not trying to have a lesson, but just tell the story. And so I loved, you know, sharing the story of like Jonah and the whale and taking like a big blanket and gobbling up a kid and having him run and scream. And, uh, you know, just earlier today we were doing Zacchaeus and we're climbing up in a tree and I would literally climb up in trees and make the kids sing a song so I could come down out of the tree and talk about the story of Zacchaeus. And um, so I, it's so hard to pick one, but I, I just love anytime you can make a story come to life. That's what's special. This, this guy here and Pastor Elizabeth, their level of creativity and just willingness to just jump in has just blown me away. <laughs> like normally we have people that are just up there reading scripts to the kids and they are not, they're just out there without scripts. They're staying to it. But like, to be just fair, there is a script. I just yeah. completely ignored it. <laughs> it. But it's so awesome to see. And like, I'm the weak link, Marty. <laughs> Yeah, like, which is not true. Let's not put anybody no, on the no, weakest link. No, I'm just saying, like, I show up and I'm reading the script. But you're but fabulous. But it is such a relief to just have, like, um, that kind of joy. You know, like, he, he they, they're just diving in, and it's awesome to see. So your strength, I would say, for sure, is being able to articulate yourself really, really well to a crowd. Because I was there on Celebration your first week oh, talking, yeah, yeah. and we just loved it. And it was so exciting. Um what do you think as a person is one of your strengths? I don't know because I'm like basing it off of like your public persona. Sure. Um, well, I, I, I do love being in front of a crowd. I, I, every pastor has some of that like little bit of vainness about it. Um, I, I do like to say that the miracle in the Bible that nobody ever talks about is Jesus preached and a thousand people showed up. But then the next Sunday he went somewhere else. Like, no pastor would ever do that. If you've got a thousand people that showed up to hear you, uh, you better believe if it's me, I'm there next week. I'm going to be there every single week if that many yeah. people are coming to it. hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I, I, I do love that piece of it. I love the public piece. I love storytelling. I love kind of getting that energy from the crowd, whether it's kids or adults or anything else. Um, but uh, another thing I love to do is I, I, I do love playing with technology. I love the way it works together. I love figuring out a puzzle there's always a puzzle that involves with it um but what i the reason i like it i think is because there are so many ways that technology can connect you with someone else um i remember in my internship site this is something you do before you're officially a pastor you're like in training it's um it's like an internship in any other kind of tradition so i was i was assigned to a church and um i was asked to go out and visit uh, a woman who about a Two years ago, her husband had died. He was pretty young. He was in his 40s. She had a, a teenage son. And I was supposed to just kind of check in on him. And, and they had a computer that was broken. And I remember sitting down and we were looking at this computer. Her son had tried to do some stuff and it hadn't quite worked. And we were messing with the operating system. Um, but I, I remember looking at this computer and I, and I went, your husband built this thing, didn't he? And I told her about each part of it and what it would have been designed to do and what I could kind of understand about her husband just by looking at this machine that he wow. touched a few years ago. And uh, we both were like crying by the end of it because I, I felt like I knew him by looking at this black box that had some cards shoved inside. And I could say, oh, this is what this would be for. And he probably hooked this thing up this way. And she'd be like, yes, here's the thing. And it, it wow. was such a neat thing to take this passion that seems like has nothing to do with church at all right like it, it's a computer right you just got to make it work um but the ways that our passions and other parts of our lives really connect us to those around us um that's that's what i love um when you're talking about loving storytelling i sometimes think how impactful stories through movies or tv or books yeah, can be yeah. and really opening up people's hearts to walk in someone else's shoes is there a favorite tv show or movie you've had in the past couple years Ooh. Um, I, there's a lot of things I like to watch. Um, I, I am kind of a lifelong Harry Potter fan. 
So I, um, I, I got the, the second book first. It was like before Harry Potter exploded and my mom was reading it to my younger sister and I was like too cool to do like a sure, bedtime sure, story. Sure, so sure, I was sure, kind of like sure. listening from the side, but by like chapter three, I was like tucked in right there with everybody else. And, uh, it was one of those things where as the books came out, I was the exact same age as Harry Potter. And so I felt like it was like tailor made for me. And, and so I read every single book. I watched every single movie. Um, I was, you know, in college by the time the very last ones were coming out. And so all our friends were like going through it and, and, I, I just love that that story so much, and it, it's not like it's you know the best written book ever in the world, but um, to be with like a movement from the very beginning and to watch it grow and become this whole kind of phenomenon, and uh, and of course you know uh, I I love to you know steal things from sermons, and there's so much in Harry Potter that you can steal from. The the whole last book is basically the Jesus story, but with magic. So there's <laughs> there's plenty to take from there. Wow. Well, plus like a community. I get why you would be drawn to that. Like you said, you started with it from the beginning. I've never read or nope, watched nope, the Harry same. Potter books, <laughs> so I have no clue. When you saw it, I was like, really lost with a bunch of sermon illustrations, Brian, but we'll catch you up. That's okay. We've heard enough in pop culture. (laughs) Um, Who's your favorite person besides your wife to like be a person or a friend or a comrade or. Ooh. So there are so many people in my family that I I really love to be around. Um, I I, I love to bounce ideas off my dad, actually. So. In uh, 2008, I was still in college. I hadn't yet decided to go off to seminary, but it was it was getting close. People could see it coming, even though I hadn't officially said this is what I'm doing. Um, my dad got a, a grant for a sabbatical, and his grant involved um, going over and spending a month in Israel and Palestine, and not just that, but also involved connecting with family. And so he put in this grant that he was going to bring me along. I didn't know it when he set the grant in, but that we were going to spend a month together in Israel and Palestine at a place called Tantur. And Tantur is um, between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's this um, little kind of community. And our, our time there, those 30 days, was basically one-third tourist sightseeing, seeing all the sites you'd normally see in that area. One-third um, education. They brought in professors and different theologians from the area to talk to us about what you know the, the Bible is talking about and kind of the cultural aspect and understanding the land. And then another third of just free time, time to explore. And I got to know my dad better in those 30 days than I think I had in the previous, you know, 18 years at that point. Um, and and just really kind of formed this kind of connection and this shared experience that, that we still kind of draw on today. Um, and, you know, we're always, you know, asking each other questions, especially like during the pandemic. How are you streaming this thing? You know, he's ask, he was the original tech person in our family. <laughs> Um, he actually in, in the late eighties had, uh, like a personal computer and a, like an Amiga thing. It had only floppy drives. If you pull the floppy out, the whole computer is gone because it was all living on there kind of thing. Um, but he's the one who got me started on it. And sometime around middle school or high school, my dad decided to kind of like let technology take a back seat. And I really went with it. Um, so there was this kind of this pattern of me taking over. Um, and, and if you think I like technology, you need to meet my eight-year-old son, Ethan, because he's it's already crazy. jumping ahead of me. Uh, he's doing everything and anything with his iPad and with computers. and uh, So it's fun. But I, I really do value my relationship with my dad. And, and that connection we have as, as pastors has been neat um, just to kind of watch that professional and that, you know, obviously family relationship connect together. Well, segueing into then how you want to be a dad, what are two things, I know they're younger still, but what are two things that you feel like you've prioritized either in, in really basic practices or just big ideas that you want to be a dad to them or how you want a dad? Yeah. So I, I've got three kids. I've got Ethan, who is eight, and then I have Grace and Lily, who are twins. They're five. They'll tell you five and a half. They're actually almost six. They'll be six in about a week and a half here. Who has bangs and who doesn't has bangs? Uh, uh, Lily has bangs. Lily has bangs. So, because that's an easy way, right? Otherwise, you you got no chance. Association with Lily and Bangs, and not Grace and Bangs, like that. Lily Bangs, she bangs. Lily Bangs. All right, I'm in. Thanks. There you go. So, um, (laughs) you got me really thrown off with the Bangs thing. No. How do you want a parent? (laughs) How do I want a parent? Thank you. I, I watched the way my, my parents raised us, and they did just a fantastic job, um, probably too good in some ways. Uh, I remember, like, my parents, you know, my dad was in seminary, and I'm, I'm 
getting really young. And so like all of like the the new things of like the late 80s of how you uh, connect with kids and talk about feelings like they I was like their experiment with those things. And so you I re- were their firstborn. I was their firstborn. Yes. Okay. And so I like all of these like new ideas that are like trying on me. Um, and they did some goofy stuff, which was really interesting. And some examples I took. Give us so, like a goofy example. So I was I, I was never taught about Santa Claus because trigger warning trigger, trigger warning trigger warning yeah 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 spoiler alert <laughs> not cussing but the things he reveals so so my parents you know imagine you got a two-year-old in seminary and you're kind of raising them they wanted me to know about the real meaning of christmas right from the very beginning they didn't want to have this like lie kind of about about how dare he how I know, dare I he so i never I, like real. from very I beginning believe. my parents were like that's it's this christmas is about jesus we don't we'll talk about the santa claus guy um and uh you know that influenced me a little bit i had to learn how to keep secrets because when you're like five and you're like but my parents told me yeah, this, you're yeah. not allowed to say that. Yeah, that's right um do you, parents will do attack you, you do you ever go after your mom and like did you wait until i was older to start celebrating hanukkah because i feel like i got ripped off a little bit and i i'm owed like eight right. presents times yeah. 19 years yeah. basically right here yeah sorry no. another tangent um, Brian. so so we did not keep that with our kids we tracy's like oh no yeah you're doing i'm with tracy that. it's too fun and i i think so too um but uh, other things like they they taught me how to talk about my feelings like right from the very beginning like don't say you made me do this say i feel this like beautiful love and, it and these are like things that are still kind of new now like it was like brand new mm-hmm. early in the 90s and so uh i feel like i had a really healthy understanding of how to you know express myself as as a young kid um and he, i was yeah. raleigh at trinity the same time that you were there then what's like the youth there's a huge youth oh, ministry guy um, i thought he was a trinity guy maybe i don't know if i know like Robert, a professor but... like he did the faith five who, who did oh yeah, yeah. Is, there, there's we... some of that um but i feel like i feel like trinity okay so i grew up in ohio i had a lot of pastors who went to trinity and so i feel like the a Anyone that went through that education system knew really well how to connect with kids and get them to talk. Yeah, th- yeah. that they were ahead. It of was, that. There was a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I, I remember being a little older, and there's like this faith incubators thing. Yeah, that was that's who of, it is. As Mark Iaconelli, I think is that what it is. That, okay, that's who. I think it's the, the same. And my dad knew him. And okay, we, I, I met him before. Well, that's I was probably why like your, an your awkward teenager. parents were yeah. probably hanging out with people who like were giving really helpful tips. So like, hey, here, well, here's how you'll ask them to share their highs and lows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really was so there was there was so much of that um okay. i i try and pull in as much of that as i can um i think as as a parent right now what i'm most proud of is uh tracy and i've worked really hard to help our kids have a, a really stable place in our home in terms of uh the two of us always kind of um being a, a solid front when things even if things aren't going wrong um but also in terms of um like not trying not trying to move too much um, so I'd taken this new job here and, you know, kind of most commonly, if a pastor is getting a new job, you probably got to move and get a new house. Um, we were able to not do that. We bought about a year ago out in Downers Grove and kind of planned strategically about where we might be because we know there's a lot of Lutheran churches within a 20 to 30 minute drive of Downers Grove. And uh, it's the Chicago area is kind of unique in that you can be a Lutheran pastor and have multiple jobs and stay in the same home that doesn't happen almost anywhere yeah. else in the country um so being able to do that and and we really are committed to we're going to stay in this place until all these kids are graduating school so that they're not having to move um that that does mean i'm hanging out here as long as i possibly can so yeah you're gonna that's have to kick news. me out that's but like, news. i, I, do I feel actually like think that's a really beautiful gift to give your family not that some people don't love that and have resilience and have an experience in that journey if it has to be different but i really love that you're prioritizing that yeah it was it's super important um and i saw what it was like when when that didn't happen um i moved when i was in second grade and when i was in eighth grade and my younger sisters are each three years younger so you know you can subtract three years and subtract three more and you can see where we all were uh this is a math podcast Mm -hmm. now too apparently i told you i was gonna be a math and science Mm -hmm. teacher that was my first my first job um but 
that those experiences of moving did affect all three of us um, in different ways. I, I think I became more outgoing, mm-hmm. having to learn how to be kind of the mm-hmm. new kid. Um, my younger sister, Becca, kind of went the opposite direction, a little more introverted and had, you know, still some trauma about that moving and that having to leave friends behind and, and all those pieces. And, and that's not an unusual thing. Kids move right. all the time. But um, just thinking about being intentional about how we're going to do that is, I think, important to us. Um, how would you classify yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I've, I've got tendencies from both, actually. Uh, I can be very extroverted out in public. I'm, you know, go shake everybody's hand and um, re- really dive in. Uh, but at the same time, I uh, I also need my quiet space. Um, for a while, my wife just got a new job. She's working from home. But before she had that, I would have Fridays off and the kids would be off at school. And I loved my Fridays off at home when you know, what he's just a couple of cats roaming around the house and just me. I would go on hikes in the woods. I would just be alone. And and I I valued those moments just to be quiet and to calm and, and really love that. Um, even in college, I took a class, and at the end of it, we did a, um, a three-day retreat at um, uh, a monastic Trappist monastery in uh, Kentucky. And the Trappist monks, they never speak. That's kind of one of their vows, the vow of silence. Um, they, they speak for certain reasons related to kind of their businesses, but on a day-to-day, they don't ever do that. Um, and I, I was, like, afraid of doing that because three days, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, no talking. Um, but I, I actually really loved it. It was it was really something uh, something special. That um, sounds like as scary to me as if you were if, to put me in a if box you're of an snakes. Extrovert, that could be terrifying. I'm I sure. like I would be weeping by Friday night. So I tried it in college, and like I, I think you're right by asking like personality types, and like I only like this year have gotten into meditation, yeah. where like someone will talk me through it, and I'm silent and breathing, and it's just really hard for me. It's really hard for some people. Like you're screaming almost when you think of the idea, mm-hmm. but some people really connect spiritually to, to that know. too, and yeah. to know how to refuel yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's been a huge thing, um, and and my brain is always running and doing different things. Um, like you said, I've tried meditation and I'm really bad at yeah. it. But what I found worked really well for me was yoga. Yeah. So my brain can be quiet if my body Physical, is moving. Yep. yep. Um, or, or vice versa, if my body's not moving, my brain is going. And so learning how each of us works, like that's yeah. a, a huge thing. I, I got this app and this guy, his name's Yogi Brian. And basically it's <laughs> yoga or it's it's meditation, but he cusses at you. And it's like <laughs> enough to like keep me entertained. So I'm, I'm like good. laughing that's while good. I'm like silently breathing. <laughs> and that's that's been my angle. Like I've gotten into at least better breathing patterns. I will say that my observation has been um, that you're, I do like that you almost said like you like to beat play detective because uh, you, you've, you're observing things or patterns that we have here at the church. You know, like, Oh, like, what, do you know, tell me more about like why you would do that. Um, Cause even we were talking about the Wi-Fi yesterday and there's same passwords on both churches and it almost boils down to after our conversation, like a hospitality issue, like sure. 15 years ago, everybody needs a Wi-Fi password. Why don't you just make it available Wi-Fi? You know, like, and it, it was kind of cool. Like, so it's, I want to say this in the nicest way possible. Like when I say nerd, I love you. <laughs> uh, like it is, I it is so, label, it is yeah. so positive. creative. And um, I thought I was so creative and the, just having Pastor Elizabeth and him around our, our staff has been so much fun because oh, they're like, it. oh, just. What, what what got us into the pattern of that? And it's it's been cool to see how things are probably going to evolve. I love it. Um, a couple more questions. Yeah. Uh, do you have a dream or something that you want to do with your family in the future? Like a trip that you want to take with your kids or something you want to do with your wife? Like, yes, on this, I want to celebrate our anniversary this way or anything like that. So... I'll, I'll give you one thing. I can have lots of dreams about this. But um, my wife is starting a job with a group called Bright Stars of Bethlehem. She actually starts August 1st. Uh, she's going to raise some money for them. She's very good at raising money. So be careful if you talk to her. You might, you know, you know <laughs> might, might be more expensive than you expected. Uh, but uh, she's 
again, starting really soon. And Bright Stars of Bethlehem, they work primarily with uh, a university it, in Bethlehem. This is Palestine. It was uh, kind of a dream from this Lutheran pastor called Mitri Rahab. And uh, it, it has this kind of combination of um, both kind of direct charity giving directly to this university, um, watching and helping um, young students in their education, um, but also some political advocacy. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is, is a, a big thing, and this is very clearly trying to help build up the Palestinian population to be um, better able to uh, be successful to grow their economy. Um, the, the university teaches uh, arts and tourism things. They have a huge culinary school. Um, and, and not necessarily like by choice, but because you, if you're teaching Palestinians, can't really teach like chemical engineering or how to build things. Um, there's too many concerns about terrorism from Israel. They would not, they'd shut you down. They'd bulldoze your place immediately. Um, so there's uh, immediately, as you kind of dive into this, there's um, questions of justice, questions about politics, questions about where our, even our own U.S. government is involved and how we're supporting different sides of these things. Um, but so much of that is is something I'm really passionate about. Um, I've been to Palestine uh, now four times. The first with my dad in 2008, had no idea what was going on, but really um, felt myself drawn to kind of that um, that political and that social justice piece of it. Um, there was a, a professor who came and talked to us, Naima Teek, who works with a, a group called Sabil, and I was just captivated by him and the way he talked about the conflict and how it affects every part of their lives and what they're doing and how they're, you know, reaching to their faith to um, to resist occupation. Uh, it was something really passionate and something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, so I went back three other times, um, first with our own ELCA group uh, called Peace Not Walls. Uh, they had, right before I was starting my first job as a pastor, a, um, a grant to send young adults to Palestine to learn how to lead trips. And so I applied for this grant and got it, and we were going to be partnered with somebody. I had no idea, but my younger sister also applied for this grant and got it. And guess who was partnered together? Uh, the two of Wait, us. Wait, is this Anchorage or is this, this is the Anchorage. occupational this is therapist? My okay. Anna. Oh, they're so, both younger. Right, right, So they're right. both younger. Uh, Anna um, was Anna Anchorage. going into, there you go. That's a good way to do it. She was going into seminary at the time and um, wasn't quite ready to jump into seminary yet, but was in that young adult kind of range. And um, both of us had seen this opportunity separately on like Facebook and, and applied. Um, so we got to go together in 2014 to Palestine with um, a bunch of people from the ELCA who've been working on this for a very long time, who've been strong advocates for Palestinian rights and so many other things. Uh, we got to meet a lot of amazing people. We had a 10-day trip. Um, there were 16 of us all together, young adults, um, all on this trip. And all with this idea that within the next 18 months that each group of us, each pair, would lead our own trip with young adults. And so that's what we did. Anna and I, the, um, that was like in January, the year later in May, we went and we had, uh, I think, uh, 15 young adults with us um, and, and one honorary young adult, which was my mother, who came along too. Um, and we went and we developed the whole itinerary. We planned on where we would go. We had this combination of seeing the holy sites and seeing like refugee camps and, you know, visiting different places and um, kind of getting a sense of what's happening over in the Middle East, what our church is doing about it, what our government is doing about it, and, and what we can do. Um, so it was, it was an amazing, amazing thing. And it only grew my, my kind of heart for, for this ministry and this mission. Um, since then, my wife and I have been supporters of Bright Stars of Bethlehem for a long time, and this development position came open pretty recently. And so what I would love to happen to finally get around to the question you asked, Marnie, uh, is that um, I want to I take my wife to the Holy Land. I want to go together and um, see some friends that I know and see some of these things um, because my wife has a heart for it too, I know. Um, but if you haven't been there and you haven't seen it, it's just different. So she's not going with you on your upcoming trip? I don't think so. Okay, because she was reading a book which made me think maybe she she's reading was she's reading the book for the job oh actually, so, that actually makes that's, way more sense she's she that. likes to prepare for however things. her she's job much better really than might I am. be sending her on this trip so yeah that is the job will send her to the holy land at some point cool now the question is will they send her in this most immediate trip so i'm planning i'm going with a group from bright stars um this late september 
And uh, depending on how things work out, my wife might also be on that trip, but that's kind of early on in her job. We're hoping. If she raises enough money in the first month (laughs) of her position. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Yay, love it. Um, I have one final question I want to ask, unless Pastor Brian thinks of things. Uh, Is yours youth-related? Mine is... As this relationship in you joining our church, what would be your love language of how we can love you um, in this relationship where we get to listen to you talk and lead us and inspire and engage us? What can we do to love you? What's your words of affirmation? Well, that, that's a, such a nice question, by the way. That it, It's been such a wonderful time coming here. And there is just so much happening at our saviors and uh every like every corner i go around it's like this treasure trove of amazing things that could happen soon um i i'll give you a a word of warning i people figure out really quickly that i love sweets but i don't want that to be my love language a lot of weight as a pastor i'm trying not to but i i am a sucker for anything sweet i i i will you know, find that group off in the corner of older ladies that are having a little meeting and just sit down and be like, how's it going? And they're like, oh, don't mind if I do. Oh, you made this cake. This is great. You know? <laughs> uh, so I, I do love connecting over that. Um, and I love just being able to, uh, to to sit down and talk with somebody and see how it's going. I love I love to drop in on meetings that are already happening where it's like I don't have to lead something or bring something in but i can just kind of sit and experience and and jump in when i can um one of my favorite things in my my previous call i've always kind of been in youth and family but um there was a group of older ladies that had a bible study and they invited me to come once and we just had the best time for like 40 minutes just sitting down talking about whatever book they were doing i never read the book ahead of time and they didn't care they were just like what do you think pastor and um so being able to you know step out of just oh you are always doing x um but to have the freedom to to just jump in wherever i feel called and wherever there are people is is a really fun thing well i think that's easy to do my my only thing to say is kind of like an appeal to the listeners or anybody is come and get to meet our two awesome pastors. I, I will say that I feel like we won the lottery. Um, they do have a lot of things that, that are going on, but they will totally give you that time, especially our young people from, you know, like uh, he, I know that Pastor Ben, your focus area is children and youth, but but all of us are really invested in making sure that there's a place for our young people. And I think you're incredible with kids this this week. I'm really looking forward to seeing him with junior high and high school, along with the other pastors. Because I do think that people will, once they come and see kind of how lucky we are to have like these uh, these leaders, we'll be like, okay, cool, and uh, and get back into a pattern of of uh, being back or feeling like they can come to us if they have something major happening in their lives. So I'm just incredibly grateful because um, we've we've had great leaders here, but I, I, I we don't have buyer's remorse right now. Like I've seen just things in the past few weeks when once you guys have arrived that have like blown me away. I'm like, ah, it's gonna be fun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's so come hang out fun. with our pastors. Yeah, come hang out with Pastor Ben. Is there anything that I missed that you want to say? There's always more to say. But There's I, always I think, more to say. I think say. it's going to be fun. Has been exactly where I've been at. Um, it has been so fun diving in here. Um, I I feel like I I could work you know 18 hours a day and still be like, there's more to do. There's more excitement. Yeah. There's so much fun. Um, it it's. It's really a blast. And and to connect with Pastor Elizabeth just this last week, you know, we kind of missed each other. I was gone for a week. She came in a little later, but um, I, I cannot wait to see how, how the three of us come together. <laughs> well, thanks for coming yeah. on my podcast and yeah, welcome, welcome, you. welcome. We're so excited for you. All right. All right. Bye, Bye. everybody.